Hello and welcome to All Villa, No Filler, a podcast all about the world's greatest football team, Aston Villa. The transfer window has now firmly shut and Villa spent big, signing the likes of Danny Ings, Leon Bailey and Emi Buendia for large fees. Others like Ashley Young and Axel Twanzebi have joined them. The question is, have Villa done enough and what is now the aim for this season? To discuss that, I'm joined by lifelong villain and Hulkcast contributor Tom Nightingale. I started out by asking him his thoughts on Villa's transfer window. From my perspective, it's been pretty good, really. It's been about um, certainly what, about what I was hoping for at the start of the season, obviously with the proviso that we didn't really know what was going to happen with Grealish. Like I, I, I think for a while I had that thing that a lot of Villa fans had, that sort of... Um, a stubborn refusal to accept reality, I suppose <laughs> yeah. we could we could probably call it uh, with hindsight. Um, but I mean, you know, the the way it's turned out. Um, once you know, once we heard everything about Grealish having a release clause, we found out that was in the contract. And yeah. what with hindsight, once you found that out, the chances of him actually staying were very slim indeed I think and then you know he was away with England I think his head had been turned a long time ago I always I say like once once a player and all his representatives start, start insisting on release clauses in contracts and stuff like that I think the writing's on the wall really and you're on a slippery slope there um so I mean given that given obviously that that pretty much started if not started our summer then that was probably the key the defining point of our transfer window I think Considering that we've done very, very well recently, um, uh, ideally I'd have liked to sort of a defensive midfielder. I think as a, a, I don't think I'm alone in in that. Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe like a, a Angisa or a, you know someone in the mold of like Bissouma at Brighton. Not that I ever expected him to be on our radar, but yeah, someone in that sort of mold I think would have probably capped it as considering we lost Grealish, that would probably have made it pretty much a perfect transfer window. I think. Yeah. But you're sort of venturing into playing football manager territory, I think, by saying stuff like that. Like, obviously, in an ideal world, you strengthen <laughs> you strengthen in every position, and you come out of it smelling uh, smelling of roses, don't you? But considering that that's not how reality works, I think yeah. it was I think it was pretty good. Um, and you know, uh, you look as well with the central midfielder thing. I think look at teams like. Teams like Wolves, who obviously mm. I know that Villa fans would like to think that uh, we're pulling clear of Wolves, but if you look at teams like Wolves, who maybe would be within their rights to consider us as sort of on a similar level within the Premier yeah. League, like yeah. Wolves went really, really hard for a central midfielder, harder than we did. I know deadline day they were looking at like Renato Sanchez and uh, Bubakar Kamara from Marseille, and they didn't get a central midfielder um, after push for that as real real priority and then you come back and you look at Villa okay the fans have been calling for a central midfielder we've got what we've got Louise McGinn Marvellous Nakamba uh, JJ Ramsey Sanson and Carney now Carney Chukwumeka that six options there okay (laughs) I know Ramsey and Chukwumeka are still really growing into their roles we haven't seen very much of Sanson I know there's a debate about where Nakamba fits in, but he's shown enough for me in the past that he can come in and do a job in certain situations like this. Yeah. Six central midfield options there that a lot of teams in the Premier League would kill to have. Yeah. How do you think uh, Villa replaced Grealish? I know that they targeted players who could fill different roles that he had. 
So in that sense, I guess Leon Bailey, creative, um, Emmy Wendia, creative, and then Danny Ings with the goal for it. Um, are you happy with those signings? I am really. I have to say, I, I think um, you look at those as three attacking signings, and again, like that to me is a sign of okay, notwithstanding the fact that you're, you know, obviously you're losing Grealish, it's a huge caveat, but those are three signings that show to me show a, not only a club that's going places, but w- what I will say is that the Grealish transfer, given what we no- now know about the fact that he had a release clause, the club must have been planning obviously hoping he was going to stay, did everything they could by the sound of it, but must have been pretty prepared for the fact that it was pretty likely he was going to want to leave. And as far as I see it, the way that they have responded to that, the the Grealish transfer is the most seismic outgoing transfer, I think, that I can remember probably as a Villa fan. Yeah, I'd agree with that, yeah. Given you know not the fact not just the fact that he's an outstanding player, but the fact that he was our captain, and not even that, you know, the club was so intertwined with his life and the whole mm. cult of Grealish, um, and you know it. There's, so there's the off-field culture side of it, and then there's also the whole you know our whole on-field identity. Pass the ball to Grealish and make yeah. runs and and wait for the pass. Like for three years at, at least, that has been our plan A on the pitch. So, I mean, considering all of those factors, like it's not like just selling, you know, we've sold great players in the past, Ashley Young, you know, James Milner, Gareth Barry, people like that. But this is the Grealish one was completely different, not just because he's a Villa fan and he's captain, but because of that, like he represented Villa's identity of recent years, I think. And so I think it's pretty amazing, really, that um, Wes Edens and Nassif Suiris have responded to that with, you know, by laying a targeted plan to bring in players early in the transfer window, pretty under the radar, do it before other clubs know yeah. that we are definitely selling Grealish. So you don't get the Grealish tax put onto the fees necessarily. We might yeah. have seen that maybe with Ings because by the time that was announced, I think it was pretty common knowledge he was going to leave, but certainly bringing in Buendia and Bailey, bringing in Ashley Young on a free like that strikes me as a real targeted plan to replace him, reduce mm. our on and off field reliance on Grealish as a player and, and, you know, as a club man, um, because the reality is, I think, and a lot of Villa fans, including myself, um, mm. for a while, didn't want to accept. I think the fact that Grealish had outgrown us as a club, you never yeah. want to accept that. Right. Do you? It's a horrible yeah. thing to sort of accept as a football fan, but even before the Euros, there were signs of that, like the back end of last season and all the talk about him in the papers and that sort of stuff. And then seeing him not only go away and, okay, didn't get the regular football that he wanted at the Euros, but side point, I think we can be pretty sure he's going to get that now that he wears uh, wears the light blue of Manchester City. Um, But not only, you know, starring for England really, but, you know, the fact that off the field, like modelling shoots, Call of Duty trailer, I think he was in, like being mentioned in songs, like, once you have a player whose profile is whose star is rising to that extent and at that speed, it's pretty hard to control that. Yeah. So I, I think the sad fact is that he'd outgrown us, and to but to prepare for that situation and respond to that situation in the way that the club has done, I think is an incredibly impressive thing. Yeah, I think that's well put. I think I mean my girlfriend's Australian, so um, you know I was telling her when I was particularly around the Call of Duty time and seeing England fans seemingly treating Grealish as a kind of big hero it was uh, yeah. I said so I said this is not normal for Villa this is like 
all I can compare it to is like David Beckham at Man United. Yeah. It's um, so it was a it was a kind of surreal experience to to witness. Um, but I guess you know I think uh, one thing that gives me hope is uh, I think now when I look at our signings, um, because we all we, I mean in a way we were quite predictable with Grealish. It was pretty obvious what our plan was. But I think with Ings, Bailey, and uh, Buendia, who we signed very early in the transfer mm-hmm. window, we're a bit less predictable now, I would have thought. I think there's a few options. That, and if a game's not going our way, we can change formations quite drastically yeah. if we want to. Yeah. Um, that I think that that would suggest to me that in the attacking area, at least, it's been a successful transfer window. Is that something you'd agree with? I would say so, yeah. I mean, like, obviously... Losing Grealish is tough, but to replace yeah. him with not only quality options, Ings, Buendia, Bailey, but like the fluidity that we have in attack now. And I think a thing that I'm sure we'll I'm sure we'll probably get onto the uh fan perspective side of things with the start of the season and everything. But like we yeah. haven't seen we haven't seen it at all yet. It's gonna be I'm of the opinion really that we're gonna get to what we got international breaks coming up. And yeah, I I, I think I don't think it's gonna be before October that we see all three of our attacking signings on the pitch together in a way that shows that they're starting to gel and everything. Like it takes a long time to bed four or five new signings into a team in any situation, let alone, you know, like the shortened preseason, the injuries, the, you know, COVID stuff, everything that we've had to deal with. Um, But I think once it gets going, I mean, it's you'd be made of stone, I think, not to be excited the same way you'd be made of stone, not to be excited about the youth development at the club, which, you know, um, what I will say is that I think a big, big thing is going to be seeing Ings and Ollie Watkins on the pitch together, working out how they're both going to fit into the team. I really don't feel like Ings came here to sit on the bench. Yeah. Um, There might be some kind of rotation and like, like, like you alluded to, like there's, we have more options now. And so there is, I think it's a real time for Dean Smith to, you know, I loved, I love Smith, but I think it's Mm. a real time maybe for him to step up and show that he can um, work with a little bit of nous in terms of tactical shifts and yeah. flexibility both in game and and week to week because now we have the options to do it there was yeah. he didn't really need to be a very flexible or very um tactically proactive manager i yeah. don't think until this point this is going to be quite a big test for him i think um mm. but there's he's certainly you know he's certainly got the tools to succeed in it you know with with, with the kind of attacking talent that we that we signed i just think it's probably going to be something that I'm going to repeat throughout this interview, <laughs> but like patience is key. Yeah, like, absolutely. It, it's, going to, it's going to be a while before it all comes together. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's I mean, injuries, COVID. Um, I mean, but once, once it's all up and firing, the amount of options he has, it's, it's, it, it you know, um, there's not a lot of teams who are going to look at Villa and think, well, I can't wait for 70 minutes of playing Ings and Watkins. And then if he wants to, he can take, you know, Ings off if it's not going Villa's way and they can send on Tricky Triore on the right or yeah. Leon Bailey on the left to go 4-3-3, change of formation. It's, there's, there's a, it's, yeah, there's um, a versatility that I don't think we ever had. And as exactly as you said, it's, a, it's going to be interesting to see Dean Smith and his new coaching staff as well, um, what they can come up with um, over the season. Um, it, it does feel like after losing such a massive player like Grealish, it was always probably going to be a little bit of a transitional season. Yeah. Um, but you know, we you mentioned a, a central defensive midfielder, I guess, earlier. Um, it's something we've spoken about on the podcast quite a lot. 
Um, you know, last season there were well for the last couple of seasons, it's felt like there were games where Villa get really overrun in the middle. Was it wrong not to get a CDM in? Could we regret it, or is it now a space available for a potentially a U team player to fill that role in the future? It's I mean it's interesting, isn't it? It's a real like it's a real double edged sword, I think, because I I was advocating as well for the signing of a of a defensive midfielder, and I think it might be something we come to regret, right? Like they clearly wanted, certainly earlier in the summer, it was clearly, um, I think, part of this, shall I put it, part of the ideal plan, I think, was yeah. to bring a midfielder in. Like we, we talked about the pursuit of Ward-Prowse. And then there was talks back going to other ones. Um, Pape Sarr was mentioned earlier in the summer. He's ended yeah. up at Spurs and is out on loan for the season. But um, Weston McKenney was mentioned as well, wasn't it? Juventus, like quite late on. And I mean, one thing I will say is it's great to be linked with these kind of players. Um, that in itself, I think, is is a marker of how far we've come as a club, considering that yeah. Ju- July 2020, <laughs> we survived on the final day of the season. Like yeah. the, with COVID, it's so, it's so weird to think that it was 14, 15 months ago that we Mad. stayed up on the final day. Like, I don't really understand how that's possible, but the, you know, the calendar assures me it is. Um, <laughs> but uh, the defense midfield thing, like, I'm not going to cry about not getting one. Like, it's yeah. not like, it's not, to me, it's not the same magnitude as, you know, if we'd have failed to re- to replace Grealish adequately, you know, for yeah. example, was far, far more important, I think, because we, you know, we ran through the central midfield options earlier. Um, and the one thing you will say is if we sign a, if we had signed a defense midfielder, then you're naturally going to be impeding the growth or the development of Chukwameka and Ramsey, which to be honest, doesn't sit very well with me. I agree. I, yeah. I, I yeah. think they have shown particularly Ramsey, like shouts to Jacob Ramsey because yeah. he has come through what the last year or so, I suppose. And apart from a couple of the kind of rocky performances you would expect from a kid finding his feet, like apart from a couple of occasions, he, looks like he could have been playing in Villa's midfield for years. Yeah, does, to, Like yeah. certainly to a decent level, right? And the ceiling, I think, with these players is is so high. Yeah. Um, and so do you want to just be spending money? I know that, you know, fans would like to see, I think honestly, fans would have loved like a 30 million pound signing every week of the window. <laughs> so they'd had it yeah. their way, you know, the football manager approach. But um, do you want to see Chuck Umaker and Ramsey pushed further down the order? Like n- not for me really, to be mm. honest, I, th- I think they've both already this season. I think they've come, they've come in and they've looked really good. Like, okay. Yeah. You wouldn't throw Chuck Umaker in to start every game. You probably wouldn't, you wouldn't have him starting very many games, but I think he's going to play more minutes than we were expecting. Certainly at the end of last season. And again, yeah. like to go back to the ownership, I think it speaks so well to the plan like not only were they juggling all that stuff with Grealish leaving and trying to replace him and trying to strengthen in other positions and all that but they've done all the, all of that while also in my eyes keeping an expert handle on the development of our youth players and our youth system like I've never known anything like that as a Villa fan yeah there was a we had a decent crop a few years ago like Bannon Albright and people like that but it doesn't it doesn't really seem to compare um, yeah. in terms of the, ta- the talent level and just the way they've managed that, like I love, I love what's going on with the low, like the loaning out across the mm, EFL. Yeah. All these youngsters spreading them around the leagues, because like, you know, we played recording this on Wednesday. Like we played um, Wickham in the EFL Trophy on Tuesday night. 
that's a team who were in the cha- that's a team who were in the championship last season. Yeah. And we put okay, Sanson played 45 minutes trying to get fit, but we played a team of kids. Um, one three one, mm. couple of real standout players, Archer, JPB, um, that you know, and, and those are just the ones still at Villa. Like you can obviously yeah. you've got Barry and Kessler and all these people out on loan, and that's that's the exact kind of development that you want to see because the thing is is that even if they a lot of those players don't make it in Villa's first team you're going to be selling them on mm. for decent sums you would think down the line it's yeah. a model we've all complained about Chelsea for example stockpiling players but you're talking about routes to long-term success yeah and it's hard it's hard to argue against it I think so coming back to the midfield thing that's the issue right is do you want to do you want to stifle the development of young players or do you want to throw more money at the wall and then have to mm. bed another player into a team that's already got four or five new players what it's comparable to is if you think of the randy lerner era and you think we were spending massively for what four or five years and we didn't reach the promised land of the champions league and the money tap stopped and because mm. we didn't have a proper infrastructure in place at the club with the youth academy and all that there was no kind of um uh, you know, way out really. Um, we were, we were screwed because yeah. once he stopped investing, we didn't have the players coming through or the players coming in. Um, so it was one long decade of decline. I guess one thing you, you know, you can never, I don't want to get like too eulogistic about like, um, Suarez and Edens because you never know how that will go one day. Maybe, you know, we just hope and pray that it continues to be as good as it feels like it has been in the last couple of years. Um, but one thing I would say is that, you know, the youth academy investment. I mean, it feels to me like Villa have a uniquely good youth academy. Like I, I mean, few youth players really ever make it, but I feel like a lot of these players are at least going to make it in the professional game in League One, the Championship, and I feel. But I feel like there's a number here who are going to make it in the Premier League as well. Mm. Um, they're already starring out. You know, Arjen Reiki getting man of the match. He's he's the man. I honestly is my favourite. Every time I watch him, I just yeah. think he's got he's got that lovely footballer's brain. That I keep talking about in midfield, that's the player that we are we seemingly have been missing. That we've just been talking about that kind of like yeah. considered intelligent midfielder who can sit deep and get forward. And it looks to me like he has the potential to be that. So who knows? Maybe next season, after a year at Stockport, he comes through and he he does the job. You know, yeah. um, and we we're sitting there and we're going, well, at least we didn't sign a a, def- a midfielder last year because you know that's it exactly. And like I love the one of the things is that how how incredible is it to have. As a fan base, I feel like if you were to do a poll of Villa's, you know, um, who's your favourite, who is your personal favourite Villa youth product? Like, obviously, some names would rise to the top, but I feel like there'd be about seven or eight players named. Yeah, because we have that many. Like, that, and what what a phenomenal thing to have as a football club. And I would argue yeah. that okay, we've spent a fair bit of money this summer, but as has been brought up, you know, if you take into account we got 100 million for Grealish. The net spend is, I think, about zero. So, you know, in that sort of ballpark, um, maybe slightly maybe slightly under um, zero. Um, and, okay, so then with some fans, that can breed a feeling of, well, okay, so it means that net, we haven't really spent anything. Why haven't yeah. we gone out and we spent more? But what, I mean, I don't know about you, but what I don't really want to see, I know that you have to spend money, right, to not only to keep up and then you have to spend more money if you want yeah. to, you know, push up the table, but I've got no desire to see Villa turn into one of these clubs that throws money every, every year we overhaul our team, like entirely yeah. Yeah. throw money at players. Some of them make it, some of them don't like to me, 
what, what everything we've just been talking about with the youth system and the infrastructure is a far more considered long-term and I think stable path to success as long as you yeah. manage it correctly, which obviously, as you said, the proviso is that we can only call things as we see them currently. Yeah. So we don't know how things are going to turn out, but every sign that you get is positive, I think really in that regard. Um, and I just, I'm, what a, what a fantastic thing to have. Absolutely. Do you think that with sort of online culture in a way, there's kind of an unhealthy sense around transfer season that leads to unrealistic expectations among, I mean, it's, I mean, it's not just Villa or, or Arsenal, it's every single fan base, every fan base is like this. Do you, do you think there's like an unrealistic expectations around fan bases during transfer season? I, I feel about this very strongly. Right. I would say that there definitely is. I think that it's not just, it's easy to say modern football fandom is rubbish and all that, but, and obviously you've always had fans who see things more positively and fans who th- see things more negatively. It's just that in today's day and age, like I'm, I'm very active on, you know, Twitter, particularly about Villa, like there's no knock on social media whatsoever, but it is just a undeniable fact that it gives everybody a lot more of a mouthpiece to, to, uh voice their opinions and not only that but those opinions can then spread and they can be taken out of context and everything and i think one thing it has done is bred this real sort of immediacy culture of instant gratification like it's instant gratification or nothing as a football fan and it goes back to you know what i said before about i think there's a lot of fans would have wanted to see wanted to see us spend 20 or 30 million on eight players rather than two or three players this summer and it's that feeling I think of there always has to be something happening um, and you, it has to be visible, you know? And so I think that that's a real thing. And and one thing I think with Villa particularly, cause you're right. Like it's all, it's all fans yeah, yeah. It is fans of every football team. And obviously a lot of us as Villa fans only get the Villa point of view because it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. who you follow on. It's who you follow on social media or it's who you talk to at the pub, right? Like it's, so you get the filtered Villa view, but, let's not pretend that it's not every club because it really is every club, I think. Um, But one thing I think that's maybe particularly unique about it with Villa fans this summer is, you know, we talked earlier about doing the transfer business early, particularly when it comes to replacing Grealish. Hmm. That's really great. It speaks to a plan being in place and you get in early and you get your business done. And they said, right, um, April or May time, Smith was saying in interviews like, the intention is to get business done, get targeted business done early. And they, I think they really followed through on that. Yeah. Um, again, maybe notwithstanding the central midfielder, if that had been a target from the outset. Um, the problem then, of course, is that early transfers leads to boredom. Yes, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you get all your business done by, okay, I don't know if not all of the business was done, but like most of our business was done before August, I think. Yeah. And, you know, it's hard to keep track of time in this day and age, isn't it? But, <laughs> yeah. I think all of our business was done like pretty early. And then the problem is as well, is that the transfer window so hyped up, like as a, as a event, I suppose, you know, fans, not just Villa fans, fans of every, we've been used to like, remember Andre Arshavin signing for Arsenal with this plane in the snow and like Berbatov going to, going to United on deadline day or however many years ago that was like, we've been spoiled by sort of, the kind of drama that um, invokes this sort of childlike excitement in yeah. you know, shiny yeah. new things. And we, we, I think we've got used to that through the transfer window over the years. And so when you don't see that reflected in your club, 
um at the end of a transfer window particularly there's a you know the amount of fans that i saw on deadline day over like why aren't we in for anybody mm-hmm. because they, we've done our business and okay we <laughs> yeah. didn't didn't get a midfielder in but you can guarantee that they if if we wanted to sign a midfielder we were trying until at least very very close up to the end of the transfer window and then it becomes an issue of well it, how much do you want a midfielder like are you willing to pay 40 million pounds yeah, for exactly. a 20 million pound player or do you want to just keep progressing with Ramsey and Chukwumeka as your options number four five six whatever it is you know yeah um football's not football manager and it's an easy easily forgotten fact I think um but the other and the other thing is that you know it's also the price of success I think yeah um we've come a lot as a club we've come a long way in a very short space of time and it's a really um it's really a case of adjust your expectations accordingly i think because you can't smith as what there was that stat i think that in three years three full seasons or whatever at villa we've gone up by i think 10 league places every yeah. season up the system it's not sustainable you can't keep doing that at some point yeah. you're gonna have to plateau for me, this is the plateau season. We'll get, I'm sure we'll get onto expectations for the season, but you can't just keep improving like exponentially or even by the same amount every season because you're gonna you're gonna hit a ceiling. Um, and obviously, okay, we want to smash that ceiling at some point, but you can't expect to do it season over season. Like, um, and I think it's just easy to forget when you're getting swept up in the transfer window and all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, and then, sorry, long answer, but another another side of it for me as well is that villa specific we're a very highly strung fan base (laughs) (laughs) i don't no disrespect to my fellow villa fans meant in that but i don't think anybody would really deny the fact that like we we as a fan base we tend to kind of live on the edge of our seats and i think it comes from you know you go back over the past what decade and a half we went from mid-table to sixth 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 under martin o'neill trying to trying to smash the glass ceiling of the champions league failed to do that the tail off was severe and dramatic yeah. and yeah. sort of stomach wrenching and then we battled for survival we had the whole mcleish sort of sideshow incredible <laughs> chapter in the club's history yeah no need to tw- no need to dwell on that um and then obviously relegation only really if we're being realistic like one a season a season and a half of proper sort of struggle in the championship before yeah. we were really getting back up there lost the playoff final when came again, new manager got promoted and then, you know, survived on the last day of the season. That is for what's that? 14 years of mm. incredible roller coaster fandom, right? Ups yeah. and downs, like quite a lot of clubs haven't really had, I think. Yeah. And so now you get to the point where now, like we talk about this maybe being a plateau season, I think a lot of fans don't really know what to do with mid table. Security. stability <laughs> yes security and it gets mistranslated as boredom I yeah think. and it's right it, the healthiest way to look at it is probably like a, a place we're still fresh to the premier league you know like most teams that come up from the premier league don't stay there very long and i know that we are historically a premier league club i think we are really obviously we've been there so long um but uh mm-hmm. considering we were in the championship for three seasons we're still relatively new and still setting our agenda in the premier league so this is a i would i would i'd agree with you i think this is a season to just solidify even more and then use it as a launching pad onto bigger and better things in the seasons to come that's yeah. that's how i'd see it that's that's how i see it as well and i mean talking about the one more thing about the transfer window is that 
a couple of things to bear in mind, I think, talking about a midfielder, you know, we signed Morgan Sanson for 14 million yeah. quid in January, last week of January, I think it was. And I think Smith, if I'm right in remembering, I think Smith and the club were very open and very transparent in saying that that was, Sanson was really seen as a signing for next season. Okay, he got yeah. injured. So there was hope he was going to play more than he did for sure. But it was really... The impression I got from that is that we signed him in January to avoid going into any kind of bidding war in the summer, maybe paying more, maybe not being able to get him. 14 million from what Definitely, I've seen of Sanson. Yeah. We haven't seen very much, but even if you know, even if he's only never really holds down a, a a regular starting spot, but he makes good contributions from the bench or whatever, it's no money at all, like in yeah. in in today's football, really. And I think a thing is is that if we'd have made that signing this week instead of the last week of January, the last week of the August transfer window, I think fans would be hailing this window as the perfect window because he would have been the midfielder (laughs) that we'd be missing, right? It's funny how the timing sort of works out and the perspective shifts. Yeah. Um, You know, and then uh, for me, the biggest thing for the transfer window, just to pay lip service to it, because it's incredible, the Danny Ings signing, Mm. talking about the childlike, you want the childlike excitement from a transfer window. I've never known anything like that in signing, I don't think. Unreal you don't get stuff like that happen anymore in football where you haven't had a single inkling that yeah. something like that is coming. And then I don't know about you, but I got the, <laughs> I got the notification from Villa on my phone. Yeah. Same. And I just sort Instagram. of, I just sort of stared like slap jawed at it for a couple <laughs> of seconds. Yeah. You're looking for the blue tick, seeing if yeah, somehow yeah. Uh, a fake account has got onto your, uh, your notifications. Yeah. Uh, but that, so, I mean, and that was just fantastic. What a moment that I think that will honestly, as a transfer window moment, that will live long in the memory. All Villa, no filler. On Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Welcome back, everybody. Now it's time for this. This is our new regular section where we ask Tom a spicy question. It's a section to get the creative juices flowing, all the controversial points out the way. Today, I'm asking you, Tom, with three games into the season, what have you made of Villa so far? It's a it's a really difficult one, right? I mean, we're gonna. I hate to come in immediately with the uh, mitigating factor, but like the preseason, the injuries, it's not it's not what we it's not what we expected, and it's not what we would have hoped for, right? I, um, to only have basically. Half half might be overdoing it, but we've probably got what two thirds of our what we'd call our first team that has been available yeah. for all three games so far. For me, no Watkins is just you cannot underestimate the the, the impact that no Watkins has really, as far as I'm concerned. I think he's the most certainly with Greedish gone. I think he's the most important Definitely. single player to how we were to like our style of football. Right, that high press from the front that. Um, quick movement in the final third, put the defence under pressure, um, support play, getting in behind, you know, like he, he I, I'm a huge fan of Watkins and not, not having him has been pretty painful. And then especially because we sort of, thank God he's nearing a return. Right. And then he came off the bench for the last 10 minutes or whatever. And it was like, oh, that, that's yeah. what we've been missing. Like there, Absolutely. there he is. Um, so given those sort of mitigating factors, I mean, I thought coming in, you look at it on paper, like Watford away, Newcastle at home, Brentford. It's very easy on paper to say, well, that's 
should be seven, nine points. Because mm. obviously, obviously, they're three teams that certainly they're three teams. That if we played mid-season with everybody fit, you would be thinking that should be win, 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 or at least a draw and two wins, you know, that yeah. kind of level. But I have to say, even even before the extra injuries and the COVID and the stuff that's reared its ugly head in the last few weeks, um, I was thinking four or six points from those three games. I was hoping yeah. for six. Um, there's nothing harder in my book than starting a season away at a newly promoted team. That's yeah. ne- my opinion. My opinion on that is never going to change. I would rather have like a Man City or something yeah, first game of the yeah. season before they've got into their stride. Whereas you have the opposite effect with the promoted team where they're riding such a high being back, right? It's going to be, yeah. it's always very, very difficult to puncture that atmosphere, I think. Um, particularly when you don't have your, you don't have your entire first choice 11 out. So that was a tricky one. I would, I would, you know, I was hoping we would beat Newcastle, beat Brentford. And I thought that Watford, I thought we might lose, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm not too disappointed. You can't be that. Obviously, in terms of the results and the points, you can't be that pleased. But I think it's a real case, again, of, you know, adjust your expectations accordingly. Uh, and just be aware that this is a real rebuilding season for us. Um and I don't. I think in some ways we go we go into a horrible run of games, don't we? Now, but yeah. I think in some ways, a after the international break, hopefully we've got players back. Um, but also maybe you know there's that element we saw it a bit last season of playing higher quality opposition can often raise Villa's game. I think. Yeah. Um, so I'm hopeful of picking up points, um, a fair few points over the next month or so. Um, but again, like jury's out. Really, I think it's just. Take it game by game. You know, patient. I, just, I keep coming back to it. You just got to be patient. Um, mm-hmm. And I know that that's not. I don't think that's necessarily football fans as a whole. It's not their strong point. I don't really think <laughs> yeah. patience. <laughs> what um, what players have stood out to you? Would you say? Um, I mean, for me personally, it would probably. I mean, Ings. I think probably. You know, he's one of those strikers who you might not see for a long time in a game, but he, eighty fifth minute, gets a goal, and what a way to introduce himself to Villa Park with that. You know, one of the best goals I've ever seen in a stadium, really. Um, but Ashley Young as well has done really well coming in, so versatile. Um, it, it, what what players have stood out to you? Yeah, I mean, Ink, it's it's hard not to have Ink stand out too. Again, like I've always been the kind of, I've always been the kind of fan who like, I, you know, my striker can do nothing for eighty nine minutes if they come up with a decisive moment, like, yeah. and that's fine by me and that's not me saying that Ings does do nothing you know I yeah, think he's been yeah. very good running particularly in the absence of Watkins he's been very good running the channels coming a bit deep to support it's a lonely job I think uh, yeah. as a lone striker for a team Brutal. who creativity you know like Watford when we had Ashley Ashley Young on the left wing and El Ghazi on the right wing like that is not anybody's first choice pick for wingers no. um, so Ings I think has been very good and I think we'll only get better as we surround him with better quality players on a more consistent basis and grow in again like you shout to ashley young and his versatility three games three different positions let's see how far um, (laughs) it keeps that 100 record up um i also think you know emmy buendia there's a lot of there's a lot of hopes rising on him as you would expect um to be a sort of creative fulcrum for the side i think that expectation that weight maybe weighed slightly heavy the first game first game or yeah. two Watford was difficult he was very stifled players are out swarming around him within yeah. you know first second touch 
Whereas like Brentford, okay, you know, it's on paper a lower quality opposition in the Premier League, but I thought Buendia looked very much the type of player that we are hoping that we've just spent a club record fee on. I think yeah. he will only grow into it. Um, so, you know, he, he impressed me last game very much, certainly. And I think there's a lot to be excited about there. Mm. Um, yeah. And I mean, I'm just glad that we've got, you know, Louise back and, you know, once Mings comes back, I know he's, he's with, he's hurt his rib and he, but he's with England at the moment. Like I think yeah. having Ling, having Mings as leader is I think fantastic. Yeah. There's no, I, I mean, I know that he still seems to divide opinion, which it's to mad. me is Just... it's odd. Like that whole thing of he's got a mistake in him, oh. by which you mean he's a professional footballer and he yeah. plays in a position where mistakes yeah. are punished. Like, but as a leader, there's not really anybody else I would rather want. Yeah. Think of, yeah. Think of one club who really needs a means is Arsenal. Look oh, at Arsenal. my goodness. It's a team that just, to me, looks absolutely bereft. You know, they can go and spend 50 million on Ben White. Fine. Mm. Ben White's a talented player. But I tell you what, like, when you look at Mings, something that people over also overlook is how much he adds just with his presence and his mm. talking and his communication. It's inspiring and it adds yeah. so much value to to a team. It's and it. no, no wonder England pick him all the time as well. Um, and it's the same with the like someone like John McGinn. Again, I look at a player mm-hmm. like that and I think, again, you know, is he technically the greatest player in the universe? Well, probably not, but he's a, he's a very good midfielder. And you look at, again, I look at Arsenal and think, where's a player like McGinn? Someone who just yeah. run and try, you know, you can have all the skill in the world, but if you've got no try or no effort, and it just to me looks like Arsenal don't even have the skill at the moment either. But yeah. <laughs> what they particularly lack is that kind of, that, that, that willpower. And I think if Villa fans, I think we really should appreciate what players like Mings and McGinn bring in that sense as well, and probably behind the scenes in the dressing room. Yeah, I completely agree. That's the, and the behind the scenes thing is a big thing. Like you don't, you get judged as a fan, I th- as a player. Sorry, you get judged by fans on what you see on the pitch, not even what you hear on the pitch, right? Yeah. What you see on the pitch because you're either watching it through a TV or you're, uh, you know, surrounded by forty thousand screaming brummies. Um, <laughs> it's. you only get judged on what you see on the pitch and on social media um and things like that and and for me that for somebody like mings that's enough like i think as far as i'm concerned i think he i think he shows his worth from those things alone but then even if you consider him a sort of seven out of ten player it's that leadership factor the dressing room factor the being a character in the dressing room like by all accounts john mcginn is one of the best characters we've had at the Villa in yeah. years and years and years. And it's that kind of stuff, I think, that uh, elevates a player that you might consider a 7 out of 10 into sort of an 8 and 8.5 out of 10 in terms of what they do for your team. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, uh, my hope really is that this season we start to see more of an appreciation for Villa the team Yes. Uh, and the unit yeah. now that we've moved to a point where it's not sort of Jack Grealish's Aston Villa, which I think it was really, let's be real. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I hope that this season we see a bit of a turning point and we realize that actually this is te- it's a team full of likable characters. I'm also going to bring up like Anwar El Ghazi, yeah. another one I think fits into this category really well. Like I, I don't want him as my starting winger. 
Yeah. I don't think he's good enough to take us to where we want to go. I think he's a good squad player, but I also think he's got an, like, seems to have an incredible attitude. He's clearly very well liked in the dressing room mm. and he steps up and he takes ice cold penalties. Like it's this stuff <laughs> that like elevates players and makes them people you want to have around. Right. And I really yeah. feel like Villa are a team and a squad just packed full of those types of character. Absolutely. I mean, that, that, that what a change around it's been for, I mean, think about when we got relegated in 2015 and, you know, the absolutely shameful scenes we were seeing from our players, you know, getting suspended and um, doing the laughing gas and all that, you know, that was, mm-hmm. a, that's, that's not that long ago that we were just yep. an embarrassment of a, a dead football club team. And for it to change around as quickly as we have, it's very easy to forget how quickly it's changed yeah, around. And these a... great characters we now have, including Connor Howron as well, who's who was part of that as well. I would say who's just gone alone. And good luck to him. Um, so I guess, uh, I guess, like as a final question, um, what do you sort of hope Villa do this season? What would be your aim, considering all the transfers we've made and the team we now are? I would say that. Um sort of quantitatively, like in terms of points and what we're looking, you know, looking at a table. I know that, I think, can, can we just, I don't know how you feel about this, but can we just put talk of Europe to bed like at the outset, yeah. please? I don't think that's going to be, I don't think that's going to help things at all um, if, if we keep hanging on to that. Cause I'm, like, I'm not, it's unless we have an absolutely remarkable year, it's not going to happen. I see comfortably seven teams who are ahead of us in that yeah. race obviously like yeah. including like the big four and everything but like including like your west hams and leicester your leicesters and exactly yeah. um for me like what was it 11th last season 55 points for a start i think 55 points this season as it has in every other season i think before last season gets you top half yeah so if we finish on say we finish on the same number of points again and maybe we finished ninth or 10th instead of 11th. That to me is a successful season this year, considering what we talked about earlier, like how much we lost through Grealish. Um, the fact that we're a, we're really a club in transition and the fact that we've had such a marked rise three years in a row. Mm. Let's just have this. Let's have this as a plateau season. Give me mid-table boredom. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> Absolutely yeah. fine by me. Um I think if we were to finish like eighth, I would be really pleased um, yeah. because I think that shows clear progress. It gives you more of a chance, I think, of holding on to real star players. Like Watkins. I think we might, yeah, Watkins. I also think like Emmy Martinez loves it at yeah. Villa, but uh, Argentina number one now, like his yeah. star is rising. Juventus and need a keeper. That's, that's the thing. Yeah, well, is, yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I could, I don't think that's, uh, I don't think that's an, uh, an awful shout. I have to say in terms yeah. of something that we might, a situation we might be looking at facing if we don't see another marked improvement. And then I suppose it just comes down to whether that marked improvement is whether it's Europe or bust in terms of improving in inverted commas. Like I yeah. think, I think like eighth, I'd be really happy with, but if we finish 10th, with the caveat that I think if we finish 10th, there might we might have to expect a little bit more transition next summer in terms of maybe some players leaving. I, I don't think it'd be anything to lose our minds about, certainly. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, it's about the slow build, right? As we've, yeah. I, I, we've had three years in a row of very rapid ascendancy, and now it's about consolidating that and showing that actually, I think there's something in the Birmingham Mail, I think that, um, you know, uh, 
Eden's and Sawiris's plan, I think, is to have us competing. If all goes well, have us competing in the Champions League in, I think, 2023, 24. Right. I don't, I'm very uncomfortable talking about like Champions League in Europe because it, those are the kind of expectations that snowball and get away from you. But yeah, there's nothing at the moment to say that we're not on track for that. If I'd you're agree looking with at that. Like, yeah. Qualifying for Champions League or at least qualifying for Europe and being a, you know, I think either Champions League qualification or sustained Europa or Conference League uh, participation. I think mm. there's nothing to suggest we're not on track for that. And I think a season of more or less standing still doesn't necessarily make that not true. You know, it yeah. just, it means that next season you would have to build if we don't build this season. Um, yeah. So I, I, you know, that's, that's sort of where I stand on it. And then aside from just the league position and that sort of thing, one, the th- probably the thing that excites me most this season, apart from continuing to see uh, Danny Ng score goals is the youth. Yeah. I would love this season if we ended with what I don't think is that unrealistic ending in a situation where Jacob Ramsey starts a hell of a lot of games because I think he's already getting to a point where he's pretty much good enough, particularly if we play in, I think some games will play a mid midfield three, others will play a central midfield two, certainly in a midfield three, I think that Ramsey could start most games already. Um, Certainly against the bottom half sort of clubs. And then I want to, you know, I just hope that we see the likes of Chuck Rameka kick on, um, Carney Chuck Rameka, that is, kick on, um, play more games, maybe come up with a few decisive contributions, prove why, you know, because there was a lot of talk about him maybe going to somewhere like Dortmund. And when you hear something about him going somewhere like Dortmund, you kind of wince because obviously Dortmund have an incredible reputation as a place for young players to go. Um, Let's prove to him why he's still here, right? I saw talk that uh, I think he turns 18 in October and there's talk that he's certainly going to be, I mean, as you'd expect, he's certainly going to be offered a seriously long-term contract. Yeah, I hope he signs that and he kicks on for the season. And by next summer, we're talking about him maybe filling one of the starting roles in midfield. He's, um, he's just got it, isn't he? He's just a player. Yes. He just knows he's got it. Like, yep. and I you think as you, you mentioned Dortmund's an interesting one you mentioned because you know, have Villa looked at Dortmund's model and said, you know, maybe could we be a, a, a British version of that? Essentially, mm. um, you know, if. if Like you, I mean, if Ramsey, who's bulked up over the summer, did really well against Newcastle, if he continues to improve, he's a a lovely, intricate passer of the ball. Yeah. Um, That's a natural talent he's got. And uh, Chuckle Maker just looks like he's an all rounder, like uh, a really special young talent. And I think the youngest debutant since uh, Gareth Barry. So, you know, (laughs) you know, that's an, that's an exciting thing that's happened this season. We've had, you know these uh, these two feature and Chukwameka come through so uh, and Jade and Philogene Bedace as well so yeah absolutely I mean I think we'll see more of it sounds like when Cameron Archer scored his hat trick as well it sounds like Villa got a lot of phone calls from League One and League yeah. Two clubs but he's stayed around and I think maybe with like Louis Barry and Brad Young being out Archer has been earmarked as certainly a certainly a cup player if we manage to carry on in the cups i know we got chelsea in the league yeah. cup but if we manage to carry on in the cups certainly a cup player with odd maybe scattered appearances certainly i think he'll crop up on the substitutes bench quite a lot um and to me it's stuff like this like it's not as glamorous as spending 30 million on a player and then wondering oh you know will he fit in will he yeah, you know, yeah. will, will, 
will he be a star or will he be a dud? Like, yeah, that's a very risky, risky game to play. Whereas I think like having this crop of youth players come through and with a couple of real standouts, like that stuff to see it, it certainly should seriously get you excited. I think as Absolutely. a fan. Um, and so I think maybe remembering, I think maybe a key this season will be remembering that league position is not necessarily everything. So that was our spicy question for this week. If you have an opinion on what we've talked about or you'd like to let us know how you think Aston Villa should do this season, you can get in touch on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram or you can email us at allvillanofiller at gmail.com. Okay, Tom, before we go, you're part of the Toronto Lions. We spoke to Brett Bates last week. Uh, how has it been meeting up with them again? Honestly, it's just, it's it's brilliant to have that every week. Like, I've been out in Canada now for six years. I didn't discover it until uh, a couple of years ago, not even quite, I think a year and a half ago. And you, you, you find it and it's this sort of home away from home, right? It's this net, network of people. You're all there for the same cause every week. Um, really full, full of knowledgeable guys as well, as passionate and as knowledgeable as they come about Villa. And it's that real sign that, you know, it's this whole thing, right? Villa are massive, we're massive, but we've got, we have got fans everywhere. This network, like even just, I encourage anyone listening who doesn't really know that much about, you know, the, even just the North American side of it, go and yeah. have a look at how many sort of Lions clubs, supporters clubs there are in North America. It's a really, it's an incredible network and um, it just goes to show the power that a club like Villa has over you, right? That you yeah. uh, it either sticks with you from from England, from Birmingham, or uh, you know, I've met a lot of people who have just fallen in love with Villa over the years, and it's you know, you, you, you there's nothing bad about that. Is there at all? You can't. It's, it's just great to see, really. Yeah, I'll I'll check them out. You know, we get a lot of listeners. Uh, I'm I'm amazed at how many listeners we get outside the UK. Um, and you know, if you are looking for Lions groups as uh, Brett said last week and Tom today um they're really good fun to get involved with um we did I did notice we got a listener from the Falkland Islands uh not too long ago oh, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not sure if there's a Lions group in the Falklands but there there must be a Villa fan out there somewhere yeah one man are... group <laughs> yeah. yeah so whoever you are make yourself known um anyway um and also you're on uh Hulkcast. Uh, there's a rich tapestry of aston villa podcasts uh, so many so much good stuff out there um but Hulkcast is certainly one that i jumped to pretty much first in line second in line you're always near the top for me or at the top so um have you have you enjoyed being involved with that yeah it's brilliant it's um you know it's something that started only uh only quite recently but just there's nothing there's nothing i love more than talking about villa to other villa fans um if people listen it's a bonus right well thank you everybody for listening i've been your host frankie mcguire i'm sure we'll catch up again soon tom thank you very much for coming on the show thank you very much for having me it's been a great time and uh goodbye from me we'll be back again soon to talk over aston villa's trip to chelsea come on fingers crossed we can do the business at stanford bridge but until then come on super aston villa (laughs) 